Hello and welcome to another edition of VLGA Connect. Delighted today to check in with the Victoria's Commissioner for Equal Opportunity and Human Rights, Kristen Hilton, to find out how that agency has been working in the COVID-19 environment these past few months. Kristen, lovely to meet you and welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Chris. Lovely to be here. Tell me firstly how the work of your commission has been impacted by COVID-19. Well, it's it certainly mean that we've we've had a lot to do. Um, obviously, uh, this this health pandemic has posed all sorts of issues, and particularly human rights issues for many people. Um, mm. Some time ago, our organisation identified four key strategic priorities, and they really haven't changed within COVID, even though the context within which we're seeing some of those issues has altered. So the work that we're really focused on is reducing racism across the state of Victoria. And certainly we have seen a rise in the number of racist incidents and reports that we've seen at the Commission during this period. We also focus on workplace equality. So that's ensuring that everyone is able to uh, participate in a work environment in which they feel safe, respected and included. And again, with a shift to remote working or flexible working for a lot of people, that's, I think, given some people some opportunities, but it's also posed very significant challenges for others. We also concentrate on trying to embed a human rights culture across the public sector. And that, that also includes local councils, because obviously councils are bound by the Charter of Rights that we have here in Victoria. And we also focus on the rights of people uh, in closed environments. And what I mean by closed environments, that can mean prisons, uh, people in really hard lockdown situations. So we've been very busy over the last week, particularly in relation to the, the lockdown of the public housing towers and others who might be in mental health facilities where it's very difficult for them uh, to perhaps voice concerns about the way in which they're being treated. I was going to ask you about the more recent lockdown situations and, and, and wondering whether the work of the Commission and the, um, I guess, the awareness of uh, human rights issues has been elevated at this time. Do you find that more people are becoming aware of what you're doing and making inquiries to you? We've certainly seen an increase in the number of inquiries and also complaints come through to the Commission. But in addition to that, uh, we have been engaging with different stakeholders perhaps than we normally would have. And I think one of the things that has been, you know, if you can try and draw some positives out of this experience, is there has been a greater focus on the fact that here in Victoria, we're one of the only two states in Australia that has a Charter of Rights and Responsibilities. Mm. And while during this, during COVID-19, and obviously for a long time to come, there will be necessary restrictions that are placed on people's lives in all sorts of ways, restrictions that we probably wouldn't have contemplated a few months ago, many of those decisions have been made with human rights being taken into consideration. Uh, and that's part of our job to make sure that we're working with government, we're working with service providers to try and think about ways in which we respond to the pandemic in a way that is uh, proportionate, even in these really extraordinary situations, and making sure that those restrictions, as full on as they are, also take into account different cohorts or different communities that we're working with. So, Kristen, how do you think local governments performed during this pandemic? Is there an awareness there of the human rights challenges and obligations 
from local government that you'd like to see? Look, I think, um, you know, as I mentioned before, local governments are bound by the Charter uh, and there are many, many local councils that we have worked with and local government entities that we have worked with in the past who are really cognizant of those obligations, take them very seriously. Uh, and, and really it's, it's actually about when you're making policy decisions, when you're delivering services, taking the rights of your community into consideration and ensuring that that's the best, that provides you with actually a framework to make really good decisions. Um, there are obviously, I don't, I don't think any local government or local council area uh, has been not affected obviously by the pandemic, some more than others. And if you look at some of the um, local council areas around some of the hotspots in particular, you know, they have had a lot of work to do in terms of engaging with their communities. I think as well, we are seeing a return to that sense of community just because people are uh, restricted from moving around the city and from moving around the straight state in the way that they were. So again, if we think about some of the positives that can come out of an environment where people are having to reconnect with their local community, then you see a more important role for local government and a real leadership role, particularly in not just in the response, but also in the recovery period. So my message to local governments would be is, is to really understand and connect with your community and understand the different um, types of whether it's discrimination or lack of inclusion or the different issues that people in the community are facing because we are many of us are experiencing this quite differently uh, and uh, and the other thing that, that the commission does is we we actually train councils and local government entities on how to practice the charter and how to apply those rights and we've seen some fantastic examples of that where local government entities and councils in and of their own right have really taken the chance, thought about what it means for them in their particular context. I was going to ask you about that, um, that particular issue around the, the, the work you do with local government. Is there a level of engagement there that um, uh, you are, are seeing and has that increased during COVID-19? I guess I'm getting at the awareness of those human rights well, those responsibilities to consider the Charter of Rights. Yes. Yes. Look, I think it's been, we've, uh, we've been on a particular journey with trying to embed a culture of human rights across government for about the last three years now. And there have been particular councils that have really taken that up. We would encourage more to do that um, because, as I said, I, it provides a really beneficial lens to think about how you balance certain rights of your community and how they rub up against each other in everyday interactions. Yeah. Uh, it also means what we find, whatever context you're operating in, if you're a local government authority or a council member and you have to make a difficult decision, uh, which might not be the most popular decision, what the Charter does is helps you explain that and provides principles around transparency and reasons and, and very good practice around um, engagement and explanation with communities. And I think where you can communicate decisions in the most transparent way possible and give communities confidence that the different uh, considerations and different rights of your community have been considered, then you are likely to get more people that accept a decision. Sometimes it might be an unpopular decision that's being made. Um, mm -hmm. So we, we're really keen to engage more with local councils on how, not just around how they comply with the charter, because there's obviously a legal piece there, but how they use it 
to improve their decision-making ability, how they use it to make sure they're representative of the community that they serve. Uh, and again, we've seen a lot of improvement over the last couple of years, particularly with the number of women serving in local councils. But at the higher levels, there's still a real inequality or an inequity in, in who is represented and who sort of holds some yeah. leadership, leadership positions. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure we perhaps an opportunity coming up at the end of the year or beyond as we move into a new term of council. So, you know, potentially a whole new group of elected representatives to, uh, to engage with. You, you touched on the, the gender issue, but also there's been the racism issue. All these issues, um, I'm sure you've thought about this, it's, it's almost like a perfect storm of the issues coming to the fore when we deal with an issue like COVID-19. How are you manage, managing to juggle all those particular issues that are very challenging each in their own right? Yeah, I mean, we work with a lot of other organisations as well. So um, we're not alone in thinking about these. But I think, you know, you describe it as a perfect storm. And I think what COVID has perhaps exposed is structural inequality that mm. still exists. Yeah. So if you even think about the response to the public housing lockdown, of course, there had to be a restriction in some way, uh, just because of the number of people that were being infected in that particular environment. But uh, the reason that the infections, you know, um, became so numerous be was because of the density uh, and the, the way in which people live in those sorts of environments. And that, that exposes a whole range of issues that are tied to, um, you know, what, what is still sort of the paucity of public housing here in Victoria. So if, if we can think about what COVID has exposed in terms of how we build up new systems which are more inclusive and more equal as we're planning our response to this, then it's possible that we can, you know, it might sound aspirational at the moment while we're in stage three lockdowns again, but there is a lot to learn, I think, about how we, we rebuild after this. How do you think, just to, to wrap up, how do you think we do move from the aspirational to, to more meaningful action in this space once we move out of COVID-19? What sort of things need to happen? Well, I think, I think people need to identify or organisations need to identify what are the concrete actions that we can take uh, within, within the lane or the space that we occupy. And if you think about local governance and, sorry, local governments and councils, and you mentioned elections coming up at the end of the year, um, what we have seen during COVID-19 is that uh, while flexible work has worked for some and we're seeing much more men work flexibly now, which is a good thing, we're also seeing women disproportionately taking up the caring burden. So they are not only perhaps working full-time from home, working remotely, but they're also doing more caring. Now, that mm. might mean that women in particular who we're encouraging to get into local council have less time to devote to those community activities or to devote to that sort of uh, representation that they would like to. So I think it's incumbent then upon uh, local governments and councils to think, well, we're operating in this context. So the way in which we encourage people to run for council elections or to participate in council, we might need to change that. We might need to think about uh, how we um, really think strategically about the type of people and that we need to sit on our council to make these decisions, a council that is as inclusive as possible of the communities that it serves, and how do we reach those people? 
how do we encourage them to make sure that you know they are standing for election and how do we support them to do that are you concerned that holding council elections under the current conditions will set back the cause of gender equity perhaps in elected roles for example significantly or do you think it can be managed well i think it can be managed with a positive strategy and you know i i probably leave that for others to comment on but i'm i'm very concerned if we, if we don't take concrete steps to um, to maximise and to include representation and support people to to uh, be involved in local council, then we may see, you know, we may, if, if we don't take those concrete steps, then we may see a step back. And it's not just women, it's obviously people from different backgrounds as well, who equally need to be a voice on those sorts of decision-making bodies. Because, you know, local councils are often also a gateway to further representation, whether it's, uh, uh, state government, federal government, uh, or other types of leadership positions and, uh, and, and being able to have a, um, a positive role and experience at, at the local council level is extremely important for the future of that representation. Well said, really appreciate your insights and would love to talk again. There's so much more we could possibly unpack there. And uh, if you're willing to come back at some future time, I'd love to talk again. I'd love to. Thanks, Chris. Kristen Hilton joining us on VLGA Connect today. Kristen is Victoria's Commissioner for Equal Opportunity and Human Rights. And thank you for being with us on VLGA Connect. Thank you.